Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Developing goals for fall races. Race day is approaching for many athletes, and many people are looking back over their training cycles and thinking ahead to what their goals will be for races this fall. How do you know what type of shape you're in and when should you really be narrowing down your goal and your pacing plan for race day? We are here chatting about all things race day and getting ready to think about big goals for your race. It's never too soon to start thinking and talking about this topic and it's good to know a timeline for when you can really narrow down a specific plan for race day. But a lot of athletes want to know what type of shape they're in and what they should think about going into the race even when they're one, two, or three months out from the race. It's good to have an idea of where your fitness is at so that when race day comes you have a better idea of what your pacing plan is going to look like and you can envision all of these things happening for you during those training runs that you have. It's really nice to envision yourself having that success while you're on your training runs and just have the goals in your head because a lot of us just like to know what our goals are. Um, So I have with me today Jason Phillippe who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has over a decade of coaching experience um, at the high school, college, and club level. He has worked with people from um, setting one mile PRs, breaking five in the mile, all the way up to um, running the marathon and ultra marathon distances. Um, He's an experienced athlete himself, running for over 20 years now and has done several marathons, um, including Boston, multiple times. So we definitely know this topic very well when it comes to setting goals, not only for ourselves on race day, but for athletes as well. And so we're just going to kind of go into a deep dive here, um, you know, sharing some personal experiences when it comes to setting race day goals. And of course, um, tips that we give our athletes um, for, you know, setting their own goals on race day because everyone kind of has their own mindset and where they're at in their athletic performance journey. Um, And so, you know, if you're first time marathon or second time marathoner, your goals might look a little bit different than someone who has, you know, 10 marathons under their belt. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that and um, all things running. So Jason, do you have any fall races coming up? And if not, are you thinking about, is this bringing back some memories of, you know, races that you've done in the past in the fall where you started thinking about your goals before the race? Yeah, so this fall, I don't really have anything on the calendar. I might do a few virtual races just to use as like time trials or mainly just um, more checkpoints to keep me motivated throughout the weeks to train. So I have something at least to look forward to. Um, but typically, you know, we, we, you know, most that most people have some sort of goal race in the fall, just because it's a it's a great time to be racing. So no matter what distance that is for you, um, you know, hopefully you can take some things that we talked about today and apply it to your to your race. And 
I've had races, I've had falls where I've, I've, um, tried to, you know, run fast and in all sorts of distances, it's typically a longer race, like a marathon or potentially like a 10 mile. But, um, for you this year, it might be something shorter. Maybe you really want to run a fast 5k or 10k. And I know I have some athletes that are going to be doing that. Um, and we have some virtual races that will give you some opportunities to do that. If you don't have any, you know, local races happening in your area. Um, but typically, you know, it's, it's, during a summer training um, period, it's sometimes difficult to really measure where your fitness is at. And, um, you know, we might have workouts that don't go so well, and then we, we may bounce back a week or two later and have a decent workout. And so I find that this is a time where, you know, throughout the summer and late summer months especially, you know, athletes have been kind of just, they've been showing up, they've been grinding out the, the summer mileage. Um, you know, the heat has definitely taken a toll on people. And it's, it's sometimes very difficult to, you know, know where, what kind of shape you're in or know what type of pace to target for your race. Um, but hopefully we can, you know, take a look at some of your recent workouts and help you kind of come up with a pacing plan. Um, I've kind of moved away from time-based goals and just focused myself more on like how I want to feel at certain races. Um, you know, especially at certain points of the race, like I want to feel this, you know, this way coming through um, you know, halfway or, you know, three quarters. And then I think about some of the workouts that I have where I've, I felt really strong and I just kind of, um, you know, think about how I can replicate that on, on race day. Right. I thought it was really interesting how you kind of brought up the weather aspect and, you know, right now it's still a little warm. Um, and depending on where you are in the country, uh, you could be still going through those like 100 degree, um, spells of training. And so for us here, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, like in the Midwest. Um, I do think that we have the opportunity before race day to do a few workouts or maybe even if we're lucky, a race or two um, at, you know, not ideal temperatures, but nothing where it's totally impacting your performance. Um, So you get a little bit of sneak peek of like where your fitness is at. Um, You get some quality workouts that aren't in, you know, 70 plus degrees. Um, usually we have the opportunity to have some workouts, you know, if you get out there at six in the morning where it's in the low sixties. Um, and so that gives us an idea of kind of where your fitness is at. Um, especially going into these fall races, the temperature is going to be significantly lower, most likely. Um, that, I mean, that's the hope, right? So we think going into most fall races, especially if they're in the north um, part of the country, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, you know, anything east coast that's up, up north also, um, you're just going to be looking at a lot colder temperatures. So 50 to 60s, maybe even 40s at the start as opposed to what you've been training in all summer. So if you are an athlete who lives in the South and you're planning on traveling 1,000, 2,000 miles up North um, to do your race, well, you're going to have a lot of different conditions on race day. And I think that's where it can kind of start to get a little dicey. Like it might be harder to, you know, envision yourself running the goal time that you want when you haven't really had a lot of experience nailing um, those specific paces and workouts because of the summer heat. And so I think, you know, one thing that you do have to do, take into consideration here as a coach and an athlete is looking at like what sort of weather have you been training in and what sort of weather is it going to be on race day. Um, and those realistically are going to have probably the biggest impact outside of any other 
um, you know, thing that we're talking about here today. So how does one navigate, uh, you know, if they've never had the opportunity to do any workouts at the colder temperatures, how do you personally, um, or with athletes figure out what sort of, you know, race day pace condition they're going to be in when it comes to fitness? Yeah, this can be tough, especially, you know, when you think about athletes who maybe live down South where it's, it's hot really early in the year and they're training all, all year where it's super high temps and then they're going to come up North to do a fall race. Um, you know, I've had athletes from Florida come up to Chicago, for example. And so it's, you know, and they're not used to experiencing those cold, those cool fall temps. Um, and you know, wind is one thing, but there's a big difference when you're getting wind, when it's really hot and humid versus if it's cold air and that's blowing at you. And so just, you know, you, you have to, you have to preface it with the, the mindset of, you know, you're, you're training in tough conditions, um, year round and, and you're, you're, you're ready for it mentally. Um, and physically it's actually going to be easier on your body if it is colder. So just knowing that, I think that that goes a long way, but you have to really, um, you know, be, be mindful of that and know like, Hey, when I reach this point in the race, I'm going to be thinking, Oh my gosh, my body's shutting down, but really it's not like the temperatures are going to be perfect. You know, unless we're talking like temps in the twenties or something, but that's super rare. So, um, I don't think you'll worry. You'll have, have that to worry about unless you're doing a race in November, December, but, um, it's, it's definitely a challenge for people that don't live in, you know, cooler climates. And then they're traveling to those areas for races. Um, but I think your body will adjust physically that it'll be fine. I think it's more like a mental thing, like preparing for it. Um, you know, and sometimes it's hard. It's, it's a lot easier for people to train for, um, hotter conditions if they live in a colder climate than vice versa, I think, cause you can do indoor runs and stuff like that. But, um, it's a lot more difficult if you're in the Florida heat, like how do you train for colder temps? I get that. That can be a challenge. Um, so I think that, um, you know, again, we're going to be using kind of your key workouts and recent race history, look at your past experience, really all of those things to factor, um, in, you know, will factor into coming up with your race day um, plan or pacing plan and some of the strategies that we want to use. And, um, you know, we may break the race into different parts and, and, say, Hey, if you're feeling this at this point in the race, then we're going to execute this sort of a pacing plan instead of just like laying it all out. Like here, this is what we're going to do. Um, this was where you should be at this point of the race. We can kind of have different, um, basically different avenues that the athlete can kind of take based on how they're feeling at certain checkpoints in the race, not knowing really how they may adjust to the weather. So I think that that's a different approach that we can, we can help athletes take. Yeah, definitely wanting to go off a feel for a lot of this, um, you know, in a marathon, you don't want to be like locked and loaded into a specific pace plan. Um, and then like going out, you know, a little bit too hard and then ruining your whole race. It's always better to go more off of the effort base, especially in those beginning miles. Um, you know, just to make sure you're not overdoing it. So you might have like an ABC pacing plan and based on like kind of how you're feeling and how the weather ends up being as you're running, um, these are just ways that we can kind of adjust. And so usually the window of a time goal going into a race, I would say is, you know, about 10 minutes. You should probably know like where you're at within, you know, a 10 minute ballpark. 
Um, and you could fall anywhere between that, just depending on how you're feeling um, and how the weather actually ends up being. And I think it was really interesting how you said everyone's body does kind of react to the temperatures a little bit differently. Um, so, you know, I've seen people come up from Texas, Miami, uh, wherever, and then run Chicago or a different fall race. Um, and they just blow it out of the water um, based on their training plans. And I've also seen kind of the other um, end of the spectrum where, you know, you have someone who's been training in the heat all summer, 100 degrees, 90 degrees. Um, they come up north and they don't really see as big of an impact as other people. Um, it might only be, you know, 10 seconds per mile, 15 seconds per mile. And because they started the race at a pace that was a little bit too fast, um, actually none of it was able to be capitalized because they kind of just got caught up in that cold weather. And so what I think is really important to know is that no mir- miracles are going to happen on race day. Um, don't get caught up in the cold weather because it is going to feel really, really good. And you are going to be able to run faster than you ever could, you know, in your hometown where it's, you know, 80, 90 every day. But it's really important that even if you feel really good, you have to stay within a reasonable pace range. So if your coach or anyone else gives you you know, this is your speed limit. That means do not go faster than that. And I think it's really easy for someone who hasn't been training in the cold to get caught up in the, oh, I feel really good. Like I've never felt this good. Um, and, and have the tendency to kind of push a little bit too much too soon in those races. Um, cause you, you aren't suffering from the same, uh, you know, this feels so hot, this feels so hard problems on race day. And it's actually amplified even more, um, than a, than a regular race because it's the first time you ran in cold temperatures. Um, so that being said, one way that we figure out what sort of paces that you should run, um, based on the temperatures you've been training in is to go to the Jack Daniels Run Smart Calculator, um, the VDOT option in there. So one thing that we would do is if you've done a workout or you've done, you know, like a workout where we can see where where we think your fitness is at, or if you've done a race, um, we would ask kind of what what is the temperature that day when you were running? Um, what's the heat? What's all this? You plug in the time that we think you're going to run or your projected time um, based on you know how things have been going in training. And then we put in what the temperature was um, for that workout. So like, let's say you did you know, five by one mile. And that to us indicated in that heat that, you know, you were in like 330 shape, whatever. So we might plug that into a calculator, but then we'd say, you know, but it was 75 degrees when they did that workout. Um, so then it would spit out for us what you would run in ideal running conditions, like if it was 45, 50. Um, so then we get an idea of kind of like, where your fitness is at on a cooler temperature day, if that makes sense. And so I like to use that calculator because it really gives a scientific approach of like what, you know, based on a baseline average of people, what would you really be running if, you know, we turned down the heat and it was ideal running temps. And that gives us an idea going into race day, kind of like the upper limit of where we should be um, pacing. So do you ever use those calculators? Do you find that, you know, they're accurate or do you think sometimes it it overestimates for some of these uh, races? Yeah, I definitely use them. I I don't use them as much for like projections of of, uh, race outcomes, but I use it more for just training, like figuring out what athletes should be hitting for training. But um, I think that it can, they're fairly accurate. I would say, um, you know, for some athletes, it, it, you know, we all react differently when we approach a, a race, right? Like some people 
um, they're what I would call like gamers. Like they'll just show up and they know how to really push themselves. And you'll see a time that is like faster than anything they indicate in workouts. And then you'll see people who are a little bit less, less experienced. Maybe they're not quite as competitive, um, or used to really challenging themselves and digging deep. And so they may have some races where that aren't quite, um, you know, at the same level as like some of their workouts indicate that maybe they, they could be at. And so, it's going to be different for each person. Um, and you know, when we out, when we factor in the weather, then obviously that's just another layer that we have to think about and think about like the experience and where this person's living. And, um, you know, I feel like we've been talking a little bit more about like the marathon distance, but if you're running like a 10 K or 10 mile or something like that too, you know, the same uh, approach would apply. Um, when we start thinking about pacing plans and, you know, one thing I would do with my athletes, I'd probably really look at, depending on what distance it is that they're um, racing for the fall, their goal race, I'll look at those specific workouts that I think, um, you know, really are similar in terms of race. So if it's like going to be a 5K, 10K, I'm going to look at a lot of their shorter workouts like speed endurance type work, um, maybe some threshold workouts. And I'm going to use those to kind of drive, um, you know, the the decision for my pacing plan for, for them. And then for athletes that are going to be doing the half for the full marathon distance, probably looking at more of their like longer workouts, like the, those mile repeats or the steady state runs and kind of to really gauge like how long they, you know, how long they've been, how the consistency is with those longer workouts, but also like looking at the tendencies for negative split runs. I think that that's really huge. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think gauging feedback from the athletes too is going to be key. You know, looking back at like training logs and looking at how certain workouts went under certain conditions, that's another really key indicator that I would use. Yeah, I like how you said, you know, everyone's different when it comes to, you know, race day. Sometimes you get, you call them like gamers where they're like, just go on race day and they can like reach this new level um, and they can really just like bring it. And I, I think like you're kind of in that category more so and I'm more on like, maybe the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, you might be in great shape, um, but like on race day, nothing. I don't really get like a huge boost from the crowd, the adrenaline, all that stuff. And everyone's different. And I think it's important to kind of intrinsically know kind of where you're falling on the spectrum. Um, Cause you know, like your workouts may indicate you know, you're, you're in X shape. And then if I did the same workout, you know, they mean different things to different athletes because some athletes in their training are just, they're people that always are pushing it and maybe pushing it a little bit too much. And that's kind of where I will fall. Like I get a little racy in my workouts. And so I know that about me that I can give almost 100% effort in a workout and that's not necessarily like a good thing. You know, we talk about having, wanting to hold back a little bit, but there are a lot of athletes out there that um, fall into this category where they can like bring it in a workout. Um, And I think, you know, knowing, am I someone that can bring it in a workout? I guess, you know, one way to measure that is if you run in a group setting or, you know, you're doing workouts with a group. One way you can kind of figure this out is maybe looking at people who you typically finish around in a race and looking at like what paces are they hitting for their workouts versus you. And if you tend to be someone that's always, you know, hitting faster workouts than them or just a little bit faster than them, 
or getting really competitive when you're running with other people, that might be an indication that like you're someone that's competitive when you do your workouts. So that means on race day, you're not, you are competitive on race day as well, but it's not like it's giving you an extra edge. Whereas people like you, Jason, you're someone where, you know, you just are kind of going through the workouts as they should be, you know, at 80% effort. And um, even if you're around other people, or even if you know, like, hey, like if I hit this pace for this workout, that means I'm in X shape. Like you don't really get caught up in that sort of thing. You just kind of go out there and do it. Um, But then on race day, you get a lot more competitive when it comes to times and beating people and all that stuff. Whereas me on race day, I just, it's the same mindset as a workout. Um, And one's not good or bad. I mean, I think you're probably, it's probably better to be more like you, um, obviously when it comes to training, because you don't want to be racing your workouts. But I am saying, you know, know this about yourself because don't expect on race day that you're going to, you know, hit a new level if you're maxing yourself out during workouts. Um, And I guess, you know, as someone who does max myself out during workouts, that would be like on the last rep, if you're really out of breath and you like have to stop and walk and you just get really like, I don't know, like caught up in it and you just throw down, you feel like all these endorphins going on. Like that's kind of how I feel when I do workouts. How do you feel, you know, when you do workouts? Yeah. (laughs) Lots to talk about here. I think that for me, I always try to approach workouts like with a negative split mindset. And I think over time that just doing that has sort of ingrained that mentality. And I'm going to approach races that way as well. Um, and I may not always negative split, but at least like the effort that it, the effort that I'm exerting, you know, I feel like that that is uh, what's important to get me to the finish line, um, you know, feeling strong, but also like reaching my potential and maybe surpassing my expectations. I think a lot of this just boils down to like the, you know, the confidence that you have in yourself to be able to go out and, you know, maybe exceed the expectations that you set for yourself. Um, you know, I talked earlier about, I don't really set like a time goal. I I do in the back of my mind kind of have, I always have an idea or a range of what I should be hitting. But like Victoria said, because I don't, um, you know, I haven't really been training that hard, like since really my college days, um, but because of my experience and my background, I, I also feel like it's easier for me to probably show up at a race because uh, I've done it so many times. Like I've, I've had to compete and under really like high, you know, I wouldn't say high pressure, but just more like, I guess, higher stakes competition where you, you're, you're used to showing up and there's a ton of people there that are better than you and you really have to give it your all if you want to finish like even middle of the pack. So I just feel like a lot of it boils down to like your experiences, your comfortability with pushing through those, um, you know, those really tough races, um, taking bits and pieces from the races, but also your training and learning from them. Um, I, I just think that for me, it's, it's maybe different. And when I think about some of my athletes that maybe didn't run in college, um, you know, I have to think about it from a different perspective because they're not, they don't have that same experience of, of all, of having all those races at, at, you know, on the track, for example, or cross country courses. So it's just been on the road races for the most part and maybe some 5k, 10k and, you know, halves and fulls. So it's a little bit different, but I think, um, yeah, confidence is huge. And we, when we think about those people that show up in there, they're gamers, right? They run super fast times, no matter what the distance, and you may be running faster workouts than them, but they may be beating you at races. That could just be that they're 
they really enjoy like the whole racing experience. Like they, they get jacked up about it. Maybe they're super confident. Maybe they're not that nervous. Um, I don't know what it is for me. I'm a, I, I get a combination of nerves, but I'm also pretty confident in races. So I think that that's, you know, that's what allows me to maybe, um, you know, excel to some, to some point. But if you're a person that maybe doesn't have a ton of confidence, but you get super nervous, then that I think will be something to focus on and to work on. And, you know, what are some positive thoughts that you can have going into the races? Um, think about those workouts that went well and why they went well and, and try to replicate those in your races. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's interesting to hear you talking about how like racing experience does make a difference. And I think it just, it can take, you know, like decades to get that experience. Cause you know, you might be listening and maybe you've been running for like five, six years, but you don't really like feel that, oh yeah, like this race will be no problem sort of mindset. Um, but I think, you know, what comes along with that is you've raced so many times where like, you know, what each pace feels like and like how your body reacts. Like even if your race doesn't go to plan. So you kind of know like what your worst case scenario, what you're up against and you know, kind of like how to play it safe in a race, you know, how to play it aggressive in a race because you've done it so many times. Whereas like someone else who just started running, you know, maybe three years ago, they just don't have the same experience. And like, it kind of resonated with me. Like I know exactly if I'm going into a race, um, I know exactly like how I should feel at each point at any distance in order to not blow up. And I think, you know, that it doesn't necessarily make it racy any, less nerve wracking for us, but I think it allows us to go into it uh, more secure with a pacing plan. And I think, you know, sometimes in the middle of a race, you might pass people where they probably are intimidated by the fact that like you're so smooth and under control. And um, that can kind of play into the whole race day thing. Like, oh, this person passed me because I, I hate when people pass me in a race. Um, it's It's tough because you're like, oh, did I pace wrong? Like, am I slowing down all these things. Um, but it is really important to kind of work on the confidence and kind of like just being racing within yourself and knowing like where you're at, um, and not getting caught up with what's going on around you. Um, you don't know if the person that just passed you is maybe doing a workout or if they've been running for 30 years and usually they're like 10 minutes faster in a race, you know? So you just kind of like have to let everything else, um, just not impact you and then focus on kind of your pacing plan going into the race. And again, like it's going to really be different if this is your first 5k, your first marathon versus if you've raced, you know, 205 Ks and you're, you're going for like a very specific time and you've hit like, you know, 1530, 1531, 1532, and you're trying to run like 1529, that's going to be a very different race than someone who, you know, you've done a couple 5Ks and you're trying to break 30 for the first time. Um, we're going to have different approaches. You're going to have different um, pacing strategies and pacing plans. And we kind of would have different expectations for each one of those athletes. Um, you know, the person running, you know, 15, 29, trying to break that time. We expect that, you know, they're they're going to be able to zone into a specific pace very, very quickly and just kind of hang on to that pace the whole race. Whereas, you know, someone who is maybe their first time doing a race or, you know, their first five times doing a 5k, they're just trying to, you know, increase their time over last time. We're not going to say, okay, what is your potential based on, you know, your one mile, like we're going to go all out. You're going to go out as fast as you can. Just hang on to that pace. 
definitely not the same approach. So we would say to the person trying to, you know, run a faster time than 5K, it's been a few races, we'd say, okay, we're going to start at a comfortable pace and then we're going to slowly get into a threshold and then we're going to finish fast because that works on your confidence, right? So if you can go into a race, feel good, you know, halfway through and then really, you know, hammer down at the finish and pass a bunch of people, that's just going to really do some good things for your confidence. Um, and it's just going to send you in the right direction. And chances are when you are running in those negative splits, um, and it, it's one of your first races, you know, like you're going to end up with a PR, you're going to end up with a faster time. Whereas, you know, if, if you're talking, you are trying to break one or two seconds on a 5k time, or you've been hitting the same time over and over again for the last five years, it's a very different approach. Um, so it's just really important to ask yourself kind of where you're at and like, how much time are you looking to take off? Um, how many times have you ran this distance before? If this is your first marathon and you know, like, oh, like I'm in four hour ish shape, but I just want to feel good on race day. Don't put the pressure on yourself to run a certain time. I would say, focus on feeling good and that should be the main goal and then we'll come up with a you know pacing plan that's specific around how you should feel at each mile and we'll have pace ranges of course like you know but again it's a 10 minute window so you don't want to put all this pressure on yourself to run 359 where you completely you know blow up at mile 21 because you accidentally went five seconds too fast the whole time when you could run like a 402 and feel amazing negative split, have it be the best experience of your life. Because chances are you're probably going to go on to run more marathons. And we want this to be a positive experience. You want to, you know, add confidence onto the experience that you just had. Because if you have a bad experience where you try to go after 359 and you totally blow up at mile 21 and you have to walk and you end up running like 412, um, that is going to be a totally different experience than saying, you know what, I don't care about this four-hour barrier. I'm just going to go out, you know, at the pace I'm in, I'm going to slowly get faster and increase the effort as the race goes on. And wherever I land is where I land. And I, you know, I end up running like a 402. Those are going to be two totally different athletes. And then next year, when you you get ready for racing again, one of them is going to have a high confidence level. They're going to feel really good about it. And they're going to know, hey, I've executed negative splits before. Like, that was really fun. And then they're going to just, you know, do even better. Whereas the person who has this, you know, they, they went after 359, they ran 413. You're always going to be kind of scarred by that experience, as tough as that is to say. You're going to worry for a very long time that this could potentially happen again. And you're also going to question all of your training that you did leading into that. Like, was it enough? I didn't do anything different this time. How do I know my race is going to go different? So I think it's just really important to think about how would you feel if, you know, that happened in your race versus, you know, the alternative when you're thinking about these pacing plans, because it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers and be like, well, I really want to run, you know, this arbitrary time because it sounds good. Really what you want is you want to have race where you feel good the whole time and you can negative split and it builds your confidence so that for the next season, you have even better experience and you just become a more, you know, confident racer at the end of the day. Um, so I don't know. Do you have anything to add on to that? Do you like it when people have time goals? Actually, I know the answer there, but how do you, how do you respond when athletes really have like specific time goals, but they don't necessarily have experience where you feel 
confident letting them go after that time goal. Because I think there becomes a point in a runner's career where it's all right to like, okay, like, you know, like, we know, you know, like, you're okay to do time-based goals versus someone where you're like, I really, really just want them to go off of effort. And when do they kind of cross over into that, like, going more after a time goal, do you think? Yeah, wow. Everything you said there, I I think I shook my head yes and agreed with you so many times because I wanted to say a lot of the same stuff. Like, it's just... um it's good to have someone who thinks this, thinks about it the same way I do. And as a coach, it's good to know that that's, that's our goal for athletes really is to help them execute a, a race where we're going to focus more on the feeling and feeling good. And then obviously um, giving them that good experience. Hopefully it's like a, a negative splitting experience or at least effort is, is uh, increasing throughout the race so that that increases the confidence and that will apply, you know, to future races. And that's really what it's about. Because eventually, if you, can, if you can do that, then you're going to show up to other races being a lot more confident and you're more likely to reach your goals. And then at that point, that's where I think it's more relevant for you to set those time-based goals and to be a little more, um, you know, maybe a little harder on yourself in terms of meeting the goals. And it is difficult as a coach when you see an athlete who's not that experienced, they're maybe going to run their second or third marathon and they have this goal to BQ or to break four or whatever. And, you know, it's a pretty stretch goal and I'm not saying it's not possible, but, you know, a lot of things really have to go right for it to happen, um, you know, including good weather and, and good training and feeling great and, and mentally just being super focused and engaged during the race, um, keeping your thoughts positive and all of those things. And I think that it's, it's um, you know, it's so important to just look at the training and, and as a coach, I've had to have those conversations where we, we kind of modify the goal a bit just because, you know, maybe a factor is not going to be right. Maybe it's going to be warmer than we thought or, you know, we thought maybe they could run this, this time on this course, but, you know, gee, this course is going to be really hilly. So I don't know if it's wise to go out that, that hard. And so that's where I think it's, it's definitely an individual case-by-case basis. Um, I think once we, you know, see a couple things from an athlete, then we're more likely to, you know, be okay with the idea of that, that time-based goal. And I think one of the things I'm looking for is just the continuous like negative split runs. So from long runs to daily easy runs, like what is a pattern? Like, you know, I, I know that obviously it doesn't need to be a perfect negative split because we factor in like hills and wind and that sort of thing. But for the most part, are the runs being more of a progression? Are we seeing the faster paces at the end or at the beginning of the runs? Um, looking at pre- other races at other distances, how have those gone? Um, just how do they adapt when things don't go their way too? I think that that's really key because if we are very um, you know negative and we're in this, this space that takes some time to crawl out of, I think that that's not a good thing. I think we need to be more, let's take take it with a grain of salt and take the piece that we learned from this race and apply it to future races. And I have a few athletes that have been really good about that. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, I've tracked them in their, their races before, and then I'm expecting an email with a lot of just maybe, you know, sad sentences and negativity, but really it's been a positive, uh, email to me. And that really is good to see because I think that the athlete, um, is able to reflect on the race, take away, um, something that they know is going to help them for future races. And that's really what it's about, you know, every race in season. But when you look at a goal race, like, Hey, you know, it may or may not go your way. Um, if your fitness is as high as it's been, um, chances are you have a good, good opportunity to go out and, and run your PR, run your goal time, but you know, don't put the high expectation on yourself. Just if you focus on the feeling 
and the process, um, chances are you'll have a good outcome. Yeah, this is such an interesting topic. You know, I thought this podcast was kind of going to go in the direction of like analyzing your workouts and figuring out exactly how, what shape and what pace you can run. But in reality, I think every athlete kind of knows where their fitness is at. They've done the workouts, they've put in the training and there's a ballpark range. Like, you know, within 30 seconds per mile where you're at. And I think it all just boils down to your history and like history tends to repeat itself. Um, and you know, just knowing kind of what sort of athlete you are. And I think it's good to have a coach and it's good to have other people hold you accountable to what you've done in the past. Um, you know, I had an athlete uh, the other the other weekend, we, we were doing these virtual races, right? And I just thought it was funny on Strava. He labeled it something like, my ego is uh, asking to cash checks that my, my body can't um, cash. And I thought, wow, that's actually like really like a smart way to put it. And it's nice that like kind of he even could recognize, okay, I went out a little bit too fast. Like I wanted to hit a certain pace. And, um, my body, it just wasn't there. And so like, I think that was so relatable to me because I've had seasons like that. Um, you know, in training peaks, the goal for his race was eight ten pace, um, average for the four miles. And I think his first mile was seven fifty. And so it's like, oh, like that's not that much faster, but really in a race environment, that's a, that's like a totally different, it's so much faster. So what ended up happening, you know, it was like seven fifty eight eight thirty eight fifty. And the moral of the story there is, you know, that happens. You know, it happens to a lot of people. It's happened to me. Um, And I think it can be a hard pattern to break or to address um, because sometimes people just get caught up in the numbers too much. Um, For that example, I think he said he wanted to run under eight-minute pace for the race. And so that was kind of the ego. You know, that's what he wrote. Like, it was the ego. Um, But if your body isn't on the same the same page, you can kind of have this like clashing and it can lead to those negative emotions. And even, you know, coming from me, I think, you know, five years ago, I went through, uh, you know, a series of races where this was really prevalent for me. Um, you know, one of them was, I would go out really hard in a 5k thinking, you know, if I could just, you know, hold this sub six minute pace, then, you know, I'm going to end up, you know, sub six, but it's like, I was asking myself to do something that I was not quite physically fit for at that exact moment. Um, could I have done that sort of pace? Yes, but not at that moment. Right. So when I think it's hard when we see athletes that are like, yeah, I really run around eight minute pace for the marathon. And we're like, you're so, so close. Like you're like literally 15 seconds per mile away from being able to do that but the fitness isn't quite 100% there. And I think that's where it gets really tough is when you get people that are really, really close to a goal, but they're not quite there. And so what they end up doing is they say, well, I'm just going to force myself. I'm just going to see what happens because I put in all this training and they just kind of like let it go to the wayside and they just go after it. Um, And what will end up happening every single time if the fitness isn't there and you go out um, on pace is you will blow up. Um, And so that's not a big deal, right? Like, who cares? The problem lies in when you do that, you're more likely to do it again because you're like, well, how do I know that this other approach would work? This is what I know. And like, you just do it again and then you get the same result. And what ends up happening is you actually lose fitness because you end up turning into this person that 
just goes after these things where your body can't do it. Um, and then you like you will shut down during workouts. So what should end up happening in a workout is you should negative slay. You should gradually get faster so that you can be in that threshold zone, in that VO2 max zone, whatever zone we're taxing during the workout for the longest period of time. You're getting the most benefit. Whereas if you are doing it the opposite way, you know, the way I'm saying not to do it, like I did it five years ago, where you go out, balls to the walls the whole time, and you're just going super fast, um, you're only going to be in those threshold, that VO2 max zone for a very, very minor time. And then you're going to max out, your body can't handle it, and then the workout's over, right? So you're going to lose your fitness edge. And then on race day, you're just going to have bad performances after bad performances after bad performances, um, which can hurt the ego even more. So I think the best way to kind of just go about this is if you aren't, if your fitness isn't there, don't, don't try to force it. Um, don't get caught up in the numbers. Like maybe you just are in, you know, six ten pace for a 5k and you don't need that to be a 559. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, if someone would have just like shook me and been like, stop obsessing over the numbers, it's going to make you way slower. And it did. Um, you, you'll run like so bad in races compared to what you would have. Um, I think in that race where I tried to run under six minute pace, I ran like 21 minutes in a 5k. So I ended up averaging like, like 640 something pace. Um, because like, I literally could not even go marathon pace the last mile because I was so burnt. Um, whereas if I would have just gone out, you know, at like 615 pace, I probably would have been able to run like a 1930. Uh, so it, it just, that's 90 seconds in a 5k. Think about, you know, if you stretch that over a marathon, that's, in a, that's 30 seconds per mile. Um, so you really got to think, is it worth it to me? You know, if I'm in 815 shape for a marathon, should I go out and try to run my 815 or do I just try to go for that? you know, amen a pace and then blow up. Uh, I think it's just really important to be honest with yourself and know, um, you know, you're going to have to go based off of effort and not try to force something that, that isn't there. And then just knowing that it's a stepping stone. So like none of these races are the last races that you're ever going to do. Um, running is going to be a part of your life for a long time. So you want it to be a good experience. That way, the next time you go and do this again, you can have another good experience and you can continue to shave time off. I think sometimes people get like really wrapped up in the moment and they think this is like the last opportunity, the last time they're ever going to do it. And so they have to like put it all on the line, whereas they aren't having that like long-term thinking approach. Like where are you going to be in two years from now if you go out and you blow up in this race, right? So you got to just think smart um, and understand that, you know, maybe you're not quite in the, the eight minute shape for the marathon right now. But next year, maybe you'll be in 745 shape if you just like keep being smart and work on um, like incremental steps towards that goal because a lot of that is mental and racing is a lot of that is mental also. And so this is part of your training is executing on race day for sure. Yeah. Um, again, you said a lot of stuff that I was thinking. I would just say continue to you know, create those, those positive habits for yourself in terms of how to execute races because um, like Victoria said, there's going to be a lot of races in the future and you're, if you establish those good habits, you're more likely to you know, have, have stronger races. And the other thing is too, if you're used to going out and having that progression in terms of like your effort, um, you know, you're more likely to be better in tune with your body in future races and knowing like, okay, well, this is how I approach the race. Um, 
And so my first mile here in this 5K, gee, I'm realizing it's actually quite fast and I'm feeling a little more uncomfortable than I typically would in a 5K. So I better just dial it back a little bit to make sure that I can still finish strong like I usually do. And so you're more likely to make those adjustments like throughout the race um, and to recognize, like to be in, be aware of your body. Um, or you might be like, wow, this actually feels pretty easy. So I guess I'm able to really start to hammer, drop the hammer now. And so you can approach a race that way too. And I just think that you're, you're a lot more likely to listen to those, um, you know, those signals that your body's giving if you're more in tune. And the best way to be more in tune is I think to be a little more cautious and to err on the side of caution, especially as the races get longer, it's best to go out a little bit slower and like Victoria said, you start to increase, get into the faster zone, your threshold zone, um, and VO2 max and all that. So I think that for the marathon especially, you know, we don't get as many opportunities to run those. You definitely want to make sure you're going out slower because um, it is so long and you're not doing them as frequently as you are the shorter races. Um, and it's going to take you a lot longer to recover as well. So we don't want to have setbacks in terms of like, you know, being able, not being able to start up running for your next race or whatever after that. So um, uh, yeah, I hope that you were able to get something from this podcast. I know it's, it's just fun to think about for, for me. And, you know, as I, as I look ahead to some of the virtual races that I plan to do, you know, I always try to, especially when you're out there alone, you know, it's best to go out and to go out a little bit slower than what you think you should, and then finish feeling strong. I'd rather always finish a race having, um, you know, felt, felt strong because that's going to give me confidence, even if the time ends up being a little bit slower than what it could have been. But if I go out way too hard and I finish a race, um, and I just feel dead and I'm not, I'm, um, you know, I'm not that happy with the, the outcome. I think that I'm more likely to be satisfied with, with the strong finish. Yeah, lots of good stuff in this podcast. Mainly the takeaway is, yeah, time goals are okay to have, but it's really important to focus on how you want to feel during the miles. And that's really what you should be envisioning is how you're going to be feeling at each mile um, during your race. And then just understanding, you know, the paces may vary, right? So have that 30 second window in mind and then just don't be afraid of having more of an effort based approach on race day and kind of just envisioning yourself in the race while you're doing some of these last workouts in your training run. So if you ever have any specific questions or you want to chat with us about, you know, a pacing plan going into your race or work with a coach, um, anything like that, you can fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.co. We can get you set up with a free seven day trial, or if you want to do like a phone consultation or um, a pacing plan going into your race, we can definitely get you set up with that as well. So thanks for tuning in.